You are about to opt in to Monerotopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. Aloha. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Marzo. March. Weekend of March. February went fast. It did actually went by very, very fast. We're already in March, guys. How's our set looking? I think it's getting better and better <laughs> every week. At least I hope so. Give us a thumbs up if you think so. If you don't think so, well, I don't know what's to do. <laughs> if you don't think so, please don't <laughs> I respond. I really, yeah, just don't respond. Sorry. Get over it. <laughs> we do enough. I love the background. I really do. I had no idea. I had no idea. You like this background? We have to have him on the show, the guy that delivered the mural. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I think he was a little shy to come. No, I think he said he'd do it. He was a cool dude. Cheers to you, man. Thank you for doing that again. Cheers. I don't know how you did it, but you did it. He was a very chill dude. He's very chill, very cool. Uh, So what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? I guess... uh, Going down to Mexico? We're going down to Mexico City next weekend. If you guys are in town, stop by to our... uh, uh, We're going to have a meetup there. A meetup at the Bitcoin Embassy Bar. Yeah, on um, Friday. On Friday night at 7. 7 p.m. For those of you in Mexico City, um, it's apparently the address is Medellin, 191, Colonia, Roma, Norte, in uh, Mexico City. So uh, Just Google Bitcoin Embassy. Yes, yeah, I don't know. Well, just um, in case. <laughs> there's, there's only one. <laughs> You never know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try to obviously pull out the Monero curious people within Mexico City. We thought doing it through Bitcoin Embassy Bar would be a good way to do that, like hanging out there on occasion. And maybe we'll try to get them to help us out with the conference, right? Give yeah. A, we'll give away some free tickets to locals there. Yep. Uh, I doubt there's really anybody in Mexico City that's now, but you never know. Maybe there's that one. <laughs> we did get one, I think, last time. Didn't we? Remember we had a meetup? Yeah. So no, that yeah. guy, that guy was awesome. Yeah. What's his we name? Had... We got we to gotta put that out. We got to hit him up. Yes. Let him know. But yeah, we're trying, we're working with uh, the guy from Decred who's helping us out. He's helping us out with Narotopia too. So he's going to round up. He does a, a meetup there. I don't know if it's monthly or whatever. He does a meetup at the Bitcoin Embassy Bar on a regular basis. So he's going to, I think, try to use his platform to get people to come out. And yeah, the reason we're going down there isn't for the meetup. That's just part of it. We <laughs> want to like get the word out locally about Monerotopia, but we just do uh, make sure everything's on track with the event, right? With yeah. the venue and delay, yeah, it's not the best communication. And to top it off, guys, it's our one-year anniversary. And it's our one-year wedding anniversary. Cheers. That was a wild year, man. That wild. was a wild Married. Then the... Wait, I don't remember what, what was first. Wait, first we got... No, we had... Uh, no, we got married. Well, we had, yeah, the, the Puerto Rico wedding the in Rico. March. Right. And then we went to Guatemala at the end of March because we want you wanted to get coffee. So we flew down to Guatemala. Well, we had to re-secure like that connection, whatever. We won't go through that. And then he brought a bunch of coffee. And then 
that week after we went to Miami to throw the conference. And then after that, we had like an Indian wedding, which, yeah, obviously he wasn't really a part of. I was planning It was all everything. blur. It was, yeah, it was wild. I was, so I was planning a lot of Because as, as we're planning this one and this I year, survived. right? We're like, this year, it's like so much work. And then we're like, how did we do it last year plus plan a wedding, two weddings essentially? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I survived. Because yeah. obviously, you know, we all know Doug's wedding was actually Monerotopia taking care of that. <laughs> Even though I was also taking care of that. <laughs> even so when you said one year anniversary, I was like, well, yeah, he doesn't even, yeah. Thanks, guys. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah, I don't know awesome. how, yeah, the wedding was on. Um, but yeah, everything's, everything's on track for Monerotopia. It just ke- keeps getting snowballing, getting yeah. larger and larger in terms of like speakers and projects participating. And to that end, we are going to have Rachel Rose on today from yes, DarkFi. Yes, from DarkFi. They will be participating. Uh, not exactly sh- sure in what form, but they will be participating. There'll be a talk on DarkFi. We'll get into the chief jump. So, um, but yeah, enough about the conference stuff. Just get your tickets, tickets if you haven't already. And reach out if you want to help. Volunteer. You'll get a free ticket. Um, send us an help, email. So I'm going to emphasize Anyone who wants to help, please reach out. Heratopia <laughs> protomail.com. And yeah, we have a, a new, well, uh, we have more people we added to Adoption Alley. We'll do that quickly. IVPN. Yeah, that keeps yeah. getting larger and larger. Yeah. IVPN, Minerujo, um, America. What else did we have? Just scroll through. Uh, uh, local, local Monero. Anon Shop. He'll, he'll be jumping on doing a, his, uh, dev, weekly dev talk. Trocador app. Uh, yeah, anybody else that wants to be added there, reach out. We'll put you in, you know, on the website, but then also there's going to be an adoption app, physical adoption alley section there. So you can kind of like, uh, meet the people behind these projects if they're there or just, you know, we'll, we'll be promoting them. These are projects that are helping to grow Monero adoption. There's, you know, a lot others that are out there, but these are the ones that we've partnered with so far. If you want to partner with us, reach out. We want to, we, we want to give, you know, we're here to give everybody a platform that's doing things to help Monero grow. So all are welcome. All are welcome. All are welcome. We got another DJ that reached out. A VJ, right? Yeah, VJ. A no, no, well, another one. This is the DJ. No, but we, we didn't add that. We have either. a VJ. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that should be cool. That, that should be interesting. We're Reach out for anything, that. guys. We're, we're open out. to ideas. We had also, yeah, somebody want... that just reached out. Uh, did we add him to the workshop? He's going to be doing, helping us out with the workshops. He hit us up on Twitter. He's like, guys, I know a lot about this stuff. We jumped on a call with him. He was like on the trying to figure out oh, if well, he was he's coming to, yeah, to Monerotopia or not. To he's like, I'd, I'd be more inclined to come if I could help participate Tuxedo. So we had a great call with him, and yeah, sure Hopefully. enough, he'll, he'll be helping us out with the workshops. He's he's very well informed on these topics. He'll be there physically helping out with the workshops, so that's cool. And he might give a little like mini workshop of his own yeah. on yeah. Uh, Calyx. No, not on Calyx, uh, the graphene. Graphene, yeah. graphene. So that should be cool. Well, he's going to reach out to confirm, but hopefully. And he's reaching he's out to graphene community, see if we get them more involved. So it's all. It's all coming together. Keeps adding and adding. And I just wanted to throw out there, like anyone that's interested in, uh, that's a videographer, help us out with like, footage of the conference itself, because we're always scrambling around. Yeah, the thing is, nobody wants to be. Oh yeah, that is. Well, no one says their faces. You know? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Action. Yeah. yeah. I understand. It's a shame yeah. because it's a great scene. Yeah. Like, but we can't like really capture it and show it. I guess yeah. we can, but in, we just, in a way, you know, that blur everyone's faces. Yeah. Just kind of show the action that's going on. It's yeah, possible yeah, yeah. people do that. Yeah. We'll do that. Understand and we respect everybody's privacy, but. <laughs> yep. But anyways, 
uh, yeah, I guess that's really it. I guess uh, other than that, I guess let's move on to the, the price report, my friend. Do it. Let's do it. The Monerotopia Price Report segment is sponsored by Local Monero. Avoid using KYC exchanges. Buy and sell Monero directly for fiat, peer-to-peer. Wow. Ah, we got a new intro. We upgraded, guys. (laughs) Nice intro, man. I like it. I like it. That's a lot to live up to. I don't know if I can handle it. (laughs) The person did a really good job. We have a, a, uh, we're still waiting on it. I thought we were going to throw body in there, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but we just didn't, they're working on it. Okay, okay. Coming soon. Coming soon. (laughs) Body, what's going on, man? Oh, not much. Just uh, chilling. How you guys doing? Chilling, chilling. All's good. Yeah. So another another crazy week. I saw, you know, there were blood, I guess, blood in the streets this week, it's fair to say? There was a little bit. We took one on the chin, you could say, but um, it really wasn't all that bad. Like, it was a 5% drop. It looks very much to me like it could have just been liquidating the longs. Um, apparently, price needs more time to consolidate before it's going to decide to do one thing or another, whether that's go up or down. So, right. but, you know, I mean, stuff falls and people lose their heads and they, they run around all over the place and they're, they're scared. That's kind of the point, you know. What's with this guy, who, Monero Bull, who I see on Twitter, and then he's like, well, I don't understand why he calls himself Monero Bull, and he seems to be <laughs> so emotionally affected by these, uh, these prices. I don't know if it's like a parody or a satire account. I can't one, figure it out. One of our guys was offering to buy his account off of him for one Monero. I can't remember who it was now, but that was like two days ago. <laughs> yeah, it's, maybe, it's, uh, maybe he's ratty. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Monero Bull, jump on anytime. Braddy got reinstated in the XMR trader group. He, uh, the accusation was that he was posting from like three different accounts and he kind of was, but typically not consecutively, but he was like our local resident perma bear. Yeah. Raddy was, yeah. For those who don't know, right. Raddy was like just constantly like talking Monero down, right. Monero price down no matter what. Right? He, he loves Monero. Like he talks good about the technology, but the price he's always just like so bearish. It might be that he just lost so much money, so he's like setting his own expectations low, you know, so he, so he doesn't get uh, too too excited, get his hopes up. Or just trying to accumulate more. Keep, keep the cap on it, keep it down. Yeah, he's he's the rodent incident on uh, on the XMR Trader Group now. Uh, hey, have y'all heard of the prophecy? No. There's a uh, I don't know who made it up, uh, but there's like this prophecy that one day in XMR Trader there will be zero comments. And that will be the start of a glorious, magnificent bull market. But uh, we can't like, we can't chide anyone. We can't. It has to happen organically. We can't tell people like, "Hey, don't post," so the prophecy can be true. It has to be like an organic thing. And wait, why? Why would that lead to the uh, like this event? What's the What's the thinking there? Who started? Uh, I don't know. I mean, prophecies are you know just, they're from on high. Like, uh, who am I to judge? <laughs> who 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 made this pro? Who was like the first to uh, speak of this prophecy? You know, that's a good question. I should I should go inquire about that. Probably, probably right. I just I just I just believed it. Like as soon as I heard it, I said, "Oh yeah, of course, why not?" It was probably right so that he could always then comment and ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually been pretty good. There, we've been so close. There was like one time it was eight p.m. We were almost there, and someone was like, "Slow day today." But you know, we can't tell him. We can't be like, "Hey, yo, don't mess up the prophecy," because then yeah. like it doesn't count. Exactly. Shit. <laughs> All right, well, speaking of prophecy, hopefully I can prophesize some directionality here for people on these markets. I don't know. Let's do it. I'm not, I'm not too convinced one way or another. But um, so this week was interesting because stocks seem to rebound off of their uh, off a of very natural support line. 
whereas crypto just kind of crashed back down. We saw a divergence where crypto went down, but stocks were going up, which doesn't typically happen. And that's not the kind of um, deep correlation that people were hoping to see. But, um, oh, and yeah, guys, if you're on Twitter spaces, recommend that you get on YouTube. Make sure you're on 720p. That way you can see all the charts we're going to talk about. Uh, so right now we're looking here at total market cap. And um, we're going to look at the, the big view and then the small view. So basically, you've got these two big trend lines. Um, you can see that the bottom trend line comes from way, you know, way back in the past, 2015. And it's pretty much the only way that you could draw those lines at this point. And we're sitting just below those. Uh, I remember saying a few months ago that it's going to be really difficult to get above um, these upsloping trend lines. And uh, it seems to have been a bit of a problem so far. But that doesn't mean that we can't get above them. Uh, it just means that, you know, apparently we need more time. So we're basically retesting this very, this sort of uh, zone of resistance on these, uh, these downsloping uh, trend lines here. So we really want to hold this for total. Just the fact that it's even kind of like wicking down below that. I don't like that. That's not strength. That's not really what you want to see in a market that, you know, where you want to be convinced that things are going to go up. Still, though, I would say that overall the structure is still here. It's still intact. Um, total is still flirting with being, it's basically below this FTX doom level. Total just can't seem to get above that level. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. FTX was probably involved in the artificial leverage and pumping of a whole bunch of shit coins. And now that they're gone, you know, those shit coin market caps are just not coming back. Um, and it might be difficult for them to come back. It could take quite some time. But um, let's go ahead and uh, turn off the broad view lines and we'll go to the shorter term so that we can see the more local structure. There we go. Okay, so this is our more local structure after we pumped off of the bottom here. We're still kind of writing in this, um, it's really a broadening structure. So basically we've just come down here to test the bottom. Obviously this isn't really where you wanna be. This always makes you uncomfortable because there's always the possibility that this breaks down and does this and then does that. So hopefully price will give us enough advance notice so that we can get out of the market if, if things like that happen, if those developments, uh, if those developments happen. Um, I don't know if I have it drawn up, but that's basically what happened on a much longer time frame. That's what happened right here, um, where you could have like drawn these lines a couple different ways. And then, uh, you know, we basically kind of broke through the, the highest one and then we kind of like progressively worked our way down. And then, um, yeah, I mean, just totally broke down from there. So, uh, hopefully we don't see kind of a similar pattern develop, but right now that does look like it could happen. That that wouldn't be out of the question here. So um, just be careful out there at this point. Uh, I do tend to think that as long as the rest of the market is looking good, crypto should be able to make a recovery. Uh, it's very plausible that all this, that this 5% candle drop right here was just uh, liquidating longs, um, stop hunting, that kind of activity, you know, happens all the time. It's typical trader activity, whether you're in crypto or traditional markets. So uh, Bitcoin looks very similar, slightly different uh, structure on the chart. Let's go to the daily view. So again, we're kind of like in this zone right here. We're holding the lower one just fine, but we, we haven't quite managed to break out of this, uh, like the most shallow way that you could draw the line, right? We got basically rejected there. It was looking plausible that we might be able to make it up, but uh, then it just came right back down. So um yeah, I mean, at this moment, you can see also that uh, we're still kind of trending along and having trouble getting above this very, very long uh, trend line that starts back from 2015. Again, it's really the only way that you could connect 2015 to uh, to the current price action. So that's that's one reason for me it's significant. Um, you can draw these lines a whole bunch of different ways, and they're significant at different um, at different time frames. Um, but right now, this is the only one that uh, that's significant. So I have all the other ones turned off.
we go to the four hour here and we'll go to the more local structure, uh, you can see basically the same thing. Bitcoin is uh, just kind of trending in this uh, in this broadening structure channel right here. Uh, bounced off the bottom, bounced off of that right there really nicely. One thing that gives me a lot of consolation here that uh, it's very likely that we could be okay, that everything could be fine, um, just volatility, is because the S&P uh, and the NASDAQ looks the same pretty much as the S&P. But basically, we've got our, our entire bear market, right? There was the top in, uh, in January. And we came up through that line. This is a natural place to experience some resistance. We're testing the bottom of this, right, where that natural bear trend is, and then we bounced right off it. I tweeted earlier this week about how um, this is kind of like a do-or-die point. Like the market, the, the stock market really does need to hold this line. And so far, so good. Like it bounced very strongly off of that line on Thursday and Friday. Crypto didn't go along, but... Um, there are some, there are a few things here in the crypto markets that could be weighing. So for one, um, Silvergate, uh, Silvergate, probably most people don't know about it, but Silvergate is this corporation. It's a bank that sort of ties in all of the big regulated exchanges together. Most of the regulated exchanges have had exposure to Silvergate and Silvergate had exposure to FDX. And basically they released a press statement earlier this week saying that they're not sure if they're going to make it, that they might actually go bankrupt. So they crashed like 51% after having like already a terrible, terrible chart. You can find that chart. Yeah, so you can see that Silvergate is down by substantial amounts from the top. So that's 95% and then it drops another 58%. So what is that? That's a total of 98% down. So again, Silvergate is like this really big corporation, big bank that, that a lot of crypto exchanges, regulated exchanges use for liquidity and keep funds with them. So um, that could be weighing on the market. There's another thing, too, that happened that's kind of, um, I, to me, it looks like a little bit of FUD. In other words, it wasn't quite accurate. So people were saying that the Gox coin is going to be released on March 10th. And that's not true. Um, but March 10th is the final drop deadline for the last input that any of the early lump sum uh, payees need to like confirm their information. After March 10th, that cutoff is done, and then the Gox trustee is free to disperse the payments whenever they want. And they are required to do it at some point between March 10th and September 30th. So they could do it at any point in that window, but it's like the ultimate last deadline thingy whatever before the Gox, the Gox trustee is able to make the, pay, the payouts. So, um, so people were saying, oh, the, the Gox coin are gonna get released on March 10th. Uh, so maybe that's kind of weighing on the markets as well. I tend to think that they probably will wait. They have just opted to wait as long as possible at every single turn. Even the September 30th deadline was pushed three months ahead. So, uh, but that should be good time frames, absent like some crazy thing that goes on in the courts. Who knows, right? Uh, so anyways, uh, that's kind of a couple maybe fundamental things going on, um, sociological news events, whatever that, that could be. Uh, part of the reason why stocks and crypto diverged were crypto diverged to the downside. Um, so I don't know. We'll just have to see. There's a good chance we can bounce back next week. Uh, that's what we really want to see from here, right? Like, okay, you're still in the structure. It makes sense. Everything's fine. But you really do need to see a strong bounce up to at least this splitter right here. So uh, hopefully that's what we get. Um, oh, you know, I also wanted to show you guys some of the descriptive statistics. So these uh, these blue lines here are the standard deviation for the entire lifetime of Bitcoin. So it's like if you took every single candle from the start of this chart all the way through, that's what these blue lines are. And they're like, they're continuously computed. So at every single point, it takes all of the data from before. Whereas normally when you compute like a moving uh, a moving average or a moving standard deviation, normally that's, um, 
it's only taking like say 10 candles back or 100 or 1,000 candles back. Um, it, it doesn't normally go over the entire data set that exists up until that point. So it's like, it's a continuously computed moving average and uh, which is the white line and then standard deviation, which is the blue line. So basically we're kind of just hanging out, flirting with this um, inside the standard deviation range. Um, there's one more thing. It's That's actually not quite right because that chart doesn't have the full price history of Bitcoin. So let me take a look at it uh, with BLX. So BLX has the full price history of Bitcoin. Okay, so we're basically sitting here in between uh, standard deviations. Um, one of these is called the geometric standard deviation. That's the, the fainter line. Um, they're both standard deviations, but you can do some, some trickiness to deal with the expon uh, exponential nature of the chart. So you kind of get two separate lines. So I like to look at them both. At any rate, we're kind of just trending on this upper standard deviation, which has tended to be kind of like the bull market zone. Like people, people like to talk about um, which moving average or which set of moving averages is your is your bull market support band. I kind of like the standard deviation better. Um, it's simpler. It's more straightforward. Uh, and over the price history, uh, it has tended to basically signify that we're in in a bullish setup. So you can see right here, like this was basically the bottom. In between these lines was the bottom uh, last bear market, um, and then we actually dip below that. So. Overall, um, you know, not, nothing too crazy going on here, but, uh, you know, just uh, just for your edification. Uh, let's see here. We can take a look at Bitcoin dominance. Um, I was expecting this was going to go up all the way to um, to the top of this range here. So this white line, uh, this line right here, I was expecting we'd go all the way up there. Um, you can kind of see I drew these lines here where it looked like the chart was going exponential, uh, but then we basically broke down. So at this moment, we're kind of sitting in this triangle, um, or at least with this overhead resistance. Um, I don't really have any strong opinions on what happens here with Bitcoin dominance. People, I've heard maximalists say that, you know, dominance is going to 70 or 80 or 90%. They still think that, even though it's been almost two years at this point and it's been below 50%. I just think that if dominance was going to do that, now is the time for it to do that. FTX collapsed, a lot of the support for all the shitcoins fell out, and you would think that should be the opportunity for, um, you know, for dominance to really make a break to the upside. But so far, it's basically just kind of range bound. Um, I would anticipate that we'll probably just be range bound for a very long time. Um, let's take a look at Ethereum and Bitcoin as well. So <clears throat> uh, we were talking about how there's this very long trend line and there's these fundamental event and Ethereum happening where it's called Shanghai. They're going to unlock everyone's stakes. Um, so it's kind of basically just like riding this very, very long support line, um, which is interesting because normally when you break down, like that was a clear breakdown. Normally you would expect for this thing to continue going down, but instead, um, it's really just kind of rode this line up as if it was a trend line. So, I mean, I guess it's possible this thing could still kind of take a, a dip to the downside. You could almost say, okay, that was a break, retest, and then it could go down again. Um, but at the same time, it, I, I don't know, like there's there, there's a load of people waiting to get into the Ethereum staking smart contract, which means that anyone that unstakes is going to have to wait to get back into it. So if I'm a staker, which I'm not, but if I was, I would think to myself, do I really need to unlock that stake? Do I really need that money right now? Can I come Can I come up with that money somewhere else? Um, so I tend to think that, I just don't think that this stake unlock is going to be a huge negative price event. Like it might temporarily be. Uh, so it should get released here in March sometime in the next uh, like four weeks. So it might temporarily take a dip only to come right back up. That, that could very easily happen. Um, so I don't know. We'll just have to see. Uh, let's take a look here on the Z-scores. Uh, Z-scores are slowly, you would say that they're trending down, but they're actually just, um, they're just showing less and less volatility, right? Uh, price is just being, uh, the Ethereum Bitcoin chart is just being more and more constrained. So, okay. Anyways, enough about Ethereum. Who cares, right? Uh, <laughs> let's go to Monero. Um, so Monero right now is sitting in between, 
Um, basically, yeah, that's that huge sideways triangle that we've had for a long time now. Um, there we go. Okay, so yeah, basically this is the way to draw that bottom line, the, the one that makes the most sense, or at least that's the most relevant for price action now. Um, I really don't like hitting this line one, two, three times like that. You know, it's like, okay, first touched, long time, long time, that, 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 right? You, you feel like, you feel like that's not a good chart structure. I don't, I don't like that personally. I really would not have wanted to come down and retest this line, but um, I do feel like it would take the entire crypto market crashing um, badly to see an arrow break through that line. So um, again, at the moment, everything still looks relatively okay. We're on the low side of the trends, but but everything should be generally generally fine. Let's see here, we've got maybe a little bit of um, it's not divergence, but Essentially, we're just like trending the, the RSI and the Z scores are all trending in the same direction um, on the daily. I guess there's nothing too interesting there. Uh, if we go down to the smaller time frame, um, I guess in hindsight, you know, this was kind of a, a bit of a bear flag. You know, you come down, you go up and you have a slight uptrend, but then it goes down uh, to the downside. So at this moment, you might be able to say that we've got a little bit of divergence here on the short time frames. So that would be. Uh, setting lower highs on the uh, on the Z scores, except for this kind of spike down here. That's that doesn't invalidate the pattern or anything, but um, you know it does kind of. You don't like to see that, but at any rate, uh, we're setting lower lows on price. We're setting higher lows on the Z scores. This could very well go to the top of the range. Um, that's kind of. I mean, that would be my play. That would be what I would expect if I was going to trade Monero right here. Uh, I would say this is probably a good opportunity for a bounce. Um, so long as you know, so long as everything else doesn't break down. Um, we got Bitcoin Monero. And yeah, we, we're coming pretty close to that 006 level here. Um, let's see, technically that would be exactly right here, close enough. So um, yeah, I mean, I would like to say that we're done going down. I, it's hard to really believe that. Oh, this is the weekly. Yeah, so we're looking at very, very big, broad timeframes. Um, let's see, I mean, overall, like almost every other OG altcoin has just seen significant downside. Litecoin, for example, set new lower lows relative to Bitcoin in this bear market. Um, so did Bitcoin Cash, and so did basically all of them, um, except for Ethereum. And, you know, that's kind of a different use case uh, coin. So overall, I mean, Monero is still trending in the upper half of from where it launched and well above um, the initial launch crash. Uh, you know, during that bear market, which maybe wasn't the perfect timing on launch. Usually you want to launch at the end of a bear market, not not the beginning of one. But, uh, you know, it's still better to, to just to get the thing going, because, right, that that's number go up kind of stuff, not uh, not digital freedom money kind of talk. So, um, you know, that's just the DGN talking right there. OK, so I'll go down a little bit closer to the daily time frame. Um, let's take a look at the overall stats. Actually, we're at. OK, yeah, so we're basically trending. You see these white lines here that just popped up? Uh, that's the moving average. Again, that's a geometric moving average and a regular moving average. Um, I won't get too crazy into explaining what a geometric moving average is, but it's basically you take the logarithm of price, you take the average, and then you do the inverse logarithm to translate back to regular price. And you do this to sort of deal with exponential processes. Both moving averages are important. They both seem to signify important things. So um, like, for example, as a very, very rough estimate, you can see that down here, um, that was kind of like a limiting factor for a while. And then hopefully we're taking the lifetime geometric moving average and this should flip into support. If we can move to the top, that would be a very nice sign for, for XMR BTC. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not really what we wanna see. The other thing too is you, you can take a look on XMR versus ETH and we kind of broke that down. You know, we had this nice channel then we had to redraw that channel and then we broke down there. Um, 
this is just not good. Like, honestly, like, even if we come up here and just, like, touch that, that would just be a retest of that line and could easily go down further. Um, if, hypothetically, we do see crypto go on a sustained or continued sustained run here uh, going into April, uh, May, maybe even June, July, and we see Ethereum performing, especially perhaps after Shanghai, right, after that FUD, or maybe it's not totally FUD, maybe the network dies after they unlock stakes, it should be fine. They've been really good about their hard forks in the past. So, But after that's out of the way, you could see Ethereum making big gains if the macro supports that, um, which, I mean, as much as we don't like to admit that can be problematic for XMR price, um, especially on something like Ethereum when, like, the hype is just growing for that chain and it just keeps it keeps growing. Um, they keep innovating. Like, it, you can kind of look at that and say, okay, what does the market want? What, do, what does the crowd want? Um, they want innovation. They want hard forks. They want you to upgrade. Um, and Ethereum shows that, right? Monero shows that. So it's, it's kind of hard to like look at Bitcoin and just be so stagnant because it's my opinion that they're going to do a backdoor CBDC on ETH via BlackRock and USDC. And the longer that Bitcoin refuses to raise the block size, to me, that's like, that's just handing the victory over because it's like, okay, Monero can't quite scale on chain. Not today. Maybe in a couple decades, sure. Uh, a decade or more, but I see Lightning Network as maybe the only viable, on, uh, maybe not on-chain scaling, but the only viable scaling option that we have. And for all its flaws, I would still like to support Bitcoin. Um, and I would just like to see them raise the block size, but I don't think that'll ever happen. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. Anyways, things just seem to be moving towards ETH, but okay, whatever. Um, just just know that just know that's a reality here. That's Know that's a reality that we're facing on the XMR versus Ethereum chart. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I, I hate to, you know, have to bring that out, but, you know. This is uh this is the price report, so I got to tell you what the price looks like. Um, without uh, it's hard. I, I have such a hard time delivering bad news for the XMR price report. It's not bad news yet. You know, it's just not as good news as maybe. Um, um, yeah. So this is XMR versus Ethereum ratio, and ultimately there is a lot of hype. There's a lot of interest all going into ETH. You've got a lot of institutions that are that are moving that direction. Um, and overall, this chart to me doesn't look all that great. Um, like. This looks like a chart that could very easily come back up, test this lower line, and then come back down again at some point. Now, I would love to be wrong here. And again, this is all probabilities. When we're talking about price, it's and saying, okay, here's what I think the greatest probability is. Here's what the chart structure would indicate um, is the more likelihood or the more likely possibility. But yes, I do see Ethereum. I do see uh, the ratio here between Monero and Ethereum as having problems for the next few months. Um, especially if we continue uh, this kind of bullish run that we started back in January. Um, but I do think I do think Monero versus Bitcoin could easily keep up. I do think that chart is one that could end up um, basically range bound. So um, overall, I mean that's what that's what I would let's go to the weekly. Overall, that's that's what I would see on the Monero Bitcoin chart is um, is the likelihood of finding a bottom here uh, and then kind of doing this kind of action. Maybe if we do that, then we could break to the top side. Um, I do think that we have negative price action coming later this year. Uh, maybe it happens sooner than that. I don't know. Um, I still, I'm still kind of like game on. My mentality here is still game on. I'm still hodling my positions. Um, you know, if, if things break the wrong direction quickly, I'll get out of my positions quickly. And that could be, you know, in the middle of the week that could, I could give you a price report on Saturday and then things could break down on Monday and I might just be out of most of my positions. Um, but at any rate, um, I do think that a, a return of the bear market later this year will be positive for the Bitcoin uh, XMR BTC ratio. So, um, 
Oh, you know, we haven't looked at the the, uh, the divergences. So the divergences look to me like um, they're basically neutral. Uh, minus Q coin. Q coin is like all over the place. So let's just let's mute them for a second. Okay. Bye bye Q coin. So over the past week, we've basically seen uh, we've been down, we've been up, down, up. So we're basically oscillating around the zero point. Um, so that's that's really what you want to see here on these price divergences. This is we don't. I really don't want to see them accumulating, and I don't want to see them. Um, having negative price divergences, I'd rather them just leave our price alone. They can't seem to help themselves, but uh, you know that's just what they do. So, uh, okay, maybe the last thing we could talk about here is stocks. I think we basically talked about it already. Um, we looked at the S&P, basically bounced off that strong support. Um, we've also got uh, the Nasdaq here, same deal, right? It came down to the. Uh... Now, the cool thing about the Nasdaq uh, that, that's inspiring, it's like hope inspiring, is that. It could have broken down all the way to the lower line down here, right, and then been limited and had problems. But instead, so far, it looks like it's done a nice bounce this Friday. It bounced off of that support line. Um, this is the kind of action you would really – you want to see it kind of come up here, do something like that, and then break through. Uh, that would be like an ideal scenario. I think something like that is probably more likely than breakdown right here. Um, another one is the Shanghai Index, so also called the SSE Composite Index. This is China. It's basically like uh, – the summary of stocks for China, and they're basically in this rising wedge pattern. And you'll notice that they found support before they even got to the lower part of the line, which is bullish. And now they're pressing up against the top of this line, and they have been all the way through. So I really, really want to see China, Shanghai break through the top of this line next week and then find some support and then go off to the races. Shanghai has been a leading indicator for crypto and stocks for like the past two years. Um, it was breaking down well before the bear market in stocks and crypto happened, and it was pumping just slightly before the, the crypto pump started in 2020. So, um, yeah, we're looking at this should, should hopefully like it, it does inspire confidence. Um, uh, let's see. Anything else? Maybe Z-scores. Overall, we're looking at Z-scores continue to trend up on the S&P. So that's nice. That's good. Um, overall, the signals I'm seeing are all still pretty much game on. There's a little bit of problems here with the um, repo, the overnight repurchase agreements, uh, the reverse repos. So again, this is money held with the Fed, uh, Federal Reserve overnight. And we had a nice downtrend. Uh, we basically kind of came back to the moving average right here. That's the 100 day moving average. So um, for now, this downtrend is stalled. That doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, that the markets have to crash or anything like that. Um, but it does kind of give you the picture, the idea of consolidation here. Um, the dollar index, uh, was in this uh, rising wedge here, and then it broke down this week, kind of retested that, and then came back down. And this red candle right here on Thursday, uh, or not Thursday, on Friday, um, that's kind of a, let's see if, it's not an engulfing pattern, but uh, there was another engulfing pattern. This red candle right here on the breakdown was actually an engulfing pattern where price looked like it was going up, and then it actually red dildoed all the way back to the bottom. So um, right now, you would look at this and you'd say, okay, Dixie has probably, you know, it's probably towards the negative end of uh, things here. Um, although it could just kind of go sideways for a while. That's, that's very possible here. Um, but overall, on a larger structure, Dixie does look to me like um, it has resumed some kind of uptrend. And while this might need to go down, I would expect it's going to find support at some point. And then at some point, I do expect it should at least touch that splitter. Um, the larger picture on Dixie does look to me uh, like it's maybe not bullish, not bullish like it was during the bear market, you know, um, last year, but still bullish, kind of a reversal from this big downtrend that we had um, starting at the end of last year that kind of helped to drive the recent bullish action. So um, uh, last thing, 
This time I promise last thing. Uh, so <laughs> uh, you can see this crazy drop that crypto had. These are the Z-scores. So Z-scores, like, they tell you they can they let you compare different asset classes right next to each other because it accounts for the volatility of that particular asset class because you're referencing everything to moving averages. So anyways, um, crypto took a big drop right here and then kind of basically recovered, and you can see where stocks stocks came up quite well. So, um, yep, I would say overall general big picture here is um, be a little bit nervous, but don't be that nervous. Keep your keep your positions on the board. Keep your chips in play. Um, if things break down, then start selling, right? If things start breaking down, then slowly start getting out uh, or maybe quickly get out. But <laughs> panic. <laughs> just keep your eye on the markets. How's that? Just keep your eye on the markets and just know that if you're in profits right here, if things start breaking down, you need to take some profit. You need to lock in some of those gains. But for now, everything still looks okay. So. All right. Or you could do what I do and just slowly accumulate Monero. <laughs> I coddle DCA. Yeah. 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 So it's like that, those gymnastics things, you know, where yeah. it's like, I, I would love to be able to do what you do. I just don't have the patience, the patience? to devote to it because you got to, otherwise you, yeah. you get burnt. You got to like constantly be on it. Man, I, I so know, much realized that the past few weeks. So after, after I went to Narcopolco, I just haven't been in the charts nearly as much as I have been for the past few months. And I look back and I'm like, dang it, man, I, I can see these little things that I missed, these little signs, these little indicators. And I'm like, well, that's what I get for not being on top of it every day. I mean, I check it every day, but really, like, for me personally, like, if I'm absorbing charts and looking at different stuff and doing different analytics and, I don't know, doing stuff like look at the NASDAQ versus the S&P, um, compare different assets across each other, like, it's it, like, forms this nebulous cloud of information in your brain that it starts to coalesce into a cogent picture. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, you know, you got to spend hours a day doing that where it's yeah, like, yes. okay, I might check the charts like 30 minutes, you know, 30 minutes a day is, is not nearly the same thing. Yeah, you're not, you're not getting the whole picture. Body, thank you so much, man. As thank always. you. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Stick Cheers. around. I will. Actually, I do want to see um, uh, DarkFi. Oh, I forget yes. her name. Yeah. Your guest. We'll awesome. We'll get to her soon. We'll get to her soon. We're gonna do cool. that. Thank you, Body. For those uh, listening in on Spaces, you can watch us on YouTube. Obviously, I guess it's more. It's a lot more entertaining if you're watching, seeing the charts, as opposed <laughs> to Body just talking about them. Uh, and in general, it's better to watch on YouTube, but. Uh, Twitter's the only way. Please stay there. And then at the end of the show, we jump into the spaces where you can ask questions. Uh, hopefully, DarkFi can stick around. Let's All right. Move it on. Let's move it on. on. Move it on. And now for the Monero development segment. Not segment. as good as. I know. We like I said, we're no, working only because we haven't slowly. done it yet. No, She's good. working we're, on we're it gonna next. We're going to get there. Because <laughs> you're a new segment. What? So. Are you insulting my segment? That's just mean. <laughs> I thought, I thought it was great. Thank you so Thank much. That you. was amazing. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good. You'll be blown away once the, yeah, well, once the real one. <laughs> We're slowly releasing them. <laughs> they take time. Yeah, what, take it away. What's going on, man? Um, uh, I, I, I've been just, yeah, this, uh, I saw Zuko from Z, Zcash tweet something. I'm a little, uh, ne never meet your heroes, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess this week, I guess, Unfortunately, we have, I guess, some, um, Monero foot I would like to discuss, I guess. Un unfortunately, I, I, I always expect more from crypto people, but I don't, it's, I'm, I'm constantly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm particularly disappointed too. Only cause it's like Laura Shin and Andy, they're like old school, quote unquote, crypto journalists, right? So it's like they, exude this uh brand of of trustworthiness journalism right like 
and there, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it was a great interview. Highly recommend listening to it. Um, Andy talks about some, some amazing, you know, some amazing things from, from his early days in crypto, from his early days in, in journalism, um, crypto journalism. Uh, but, you know, he gets, he gets to talking about the traceability, you know, he's talking a lot about the traceability of Bitcoin because that's basically what his book focuses on. But as you'll get into it, he then kind of, the, the takeaway from that video is that Monero's traceable and Zcash is it. That's, that's the overall takeaway, which I think is unfortunate because, you know, she has like a huge platform, right? So you're kind of misdirecting a lot of people. They're going to be like, oh, okay, Monero's traceable, digital cash. So that, that's what bothers me about that. And then I, I reached out to Andy. I tried to get him to come on the show and he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to rile up the Monero. Like, you, just, you just did rile up the Monero community. If you don't want to rile them up, come on the show and we'll talk about it. But don't drop these bombs and be like, oh, I don't want to rile them up. Like what? So I don't know, man. I'm always suspicious of people. I don't know. I don't know if there's agendas out there. I don't know if people are like Zcash bag holders. I don't know what. But yeah, take it away. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I just want to. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very hard to talk like money. Money's involved. I just want to be clear that. Um, I guess the reason I'm upset, I'm sure the reason Doug's upset, is that this is, at the end of the day, money aside, this is like cryptocurrency should be a tool. I mean, I guess if you're Monero, you believe cryptocurrency should be a tool for freedom and everyone should use it. So it's very important how you talk about these things, right? Because um, history has shown us once, once all the time that someone thought, like people thought Bitcoin was anonymous and used it and ended up, some people ended up going in jail because it wasn't anonymous as they believed. So it's very important to it's it's very important to be clear when you talk about these things so it's not just like i'm trying to protect my bag of monero right i'm trying to protect the privacy of people so let's let's get into it if you didn't see the video i i I won't go over it too much i think doug did a great um job of detailing it for you let's go over some of the i guess myths or miss misinformation i think is a better word for it that was covered in this specific video so they hinted at a, a big claim there was this paper or i guess slide advertising slide i don't really know the context it was leaked in it was where chain analysis leaked a slide or someone leaked a slide from chain analysis and they claimed that they could analyze i think like 60 percent of of monero transactions and this was this was covered like happened like i want to say like 2020 and it's, it gets hinted at by a lot of people on twitter and it, it probably gets hinted by the person in this video so the claim is that chain analysis can trace monero and the fact of the matter is that this is just like an unscientific cons- conspiracy theory because basically they make a claim. No one can verify the claim. No one can check the claim. They, it's not really specific. It's like someone saying, I can, I can jump 20 feet, right? And then you ask them, oh, can you show me? And they're like, no. It's like, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, that's not really, and especially in the open source math and science-based community, that's not really but, How because, but there's a leaked presentation where somebody says you can jump 20 feet. So exactly, like yeah, someone leaked <laughs> it. So you know, obviously, it, it, it was at a sales conference. You no, know, I was trying to get some sponsorship, but like, it's irrelevant. I'm like, yeah, that's not really how any of this should work. Like, I, I, you can't really argue against a statement that like I can do this thing. Can you prove it? No. So it's really just conspiracy theory that maybe they can, maybe they can't. And, and they're working together with the government with all these exchanges to keep the fact that they have this ability of secret. I mean, unverifiable conspiracy theory. So I'll, won't talk much more about that. And then the claim is that Monero has weaknesses. This is a claim that you will, will also see. 
a lot in this space, hinted at in the in this video. The claim that Monero is traceable de- depends on how you define traceable. It's Monero's private. It's probably more private than a Zcash in a default setting, I would say. So I don't want to get too much into that. But it, it is wrong to say Zcash is untraceable. Monero is traceable. There's no definition for traceability that fits that definition. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. you know, to be fair to Andy, I think he, he, he did allude to the fact that it's probabilistic and not deterministic, if anything, uh, to the degree <laughs> to which they can garner some information. And, you know, from this information, they have mm-hmm. leads, right? Yeah. Uh, there's no deterministic traceability of Monero as far as anybody knows that would know this the most, right? And there's yeah, a that's very fair yeah. assessment that's taken place in the Monero community. Uh, mm-hmm. Highly recommend watching, uh, what, what was the video series that Justin did? Uh, Breaking Monero. They go into all this. They, they review this paper and kind of debunk this paper, this uh, this old pair paper, an, Amer- an empirical analysis of the traceability of Monero. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Diego. Yeah, no, that's great. That series is literally what got me into, I would say, like privacy cryptography. It is an amazing series. It's seven parts, really accessible. I definitely recommend people watch it. And I would say definitely, yeah, uh, in the video, they, they say that Monero has this deterministic traceability. But on the other hand, they say that Zcash is, at least in a clip that I saw, Zcash is untraceable, which is like not not remotely true. In the, like, nuanced statement, I feel that claim is not true. And they, they might have some invested interest making that claim. But let's get into this paper. And then the paper pretty much goes over how there is a big issue with, like, Monero ring signatures. And like Doug said, the paper, if anyone cites this paper to you as evidence that Monero is traceable, the paper was actually released. And by the time it was released, most of the findings in it weren't actually relevant because Monero had actually got a draft of that paper and actually patched the issues presented in that paper. This, This is an old paper. Oh, yeah, this is an old paper. So... Don't let anyone, like, flood Monero for you by citing this paper. It's a really well-written paper, well-researched paper, and a lot of the attacks in it aren't even new. It's just a new application of them. So it's not, like, world-ending. It's an old paper. Some of the stuff in it are still good. But if anyone's going to talk about Monero's issues, most of the issues are going to lie with its ring signatures, which is how Monero selects its certain... Which is how Monero pr- protects the sender's privacy. So if any issue Monero is going to be pointed out to is going to lie in this, I want to be people to be prepared for that. And then summary at the end of this paper basically is that you should avoid KYC exchanges as usual, right? If you're in Monero's face, you should be pretty aware of that. And currently Monero is working on getting better ring signatures, which a lot of people might be aware of that Monero is increasing its ring size. I want to say it's still tentative. I've heard numbers like 128 ring members to 256, but it's not just the size increase that will make Monero more private. It's also how Monero will pick its decoys, which is also really important too. And then there's currently a, a, a funding going for improving Monero's ring signatures against statistical attack. This offset by Runkium, I don't want to get their name wrong, but it is a beautiful paper. They're working on protecting Monero from its ring signatures attacks. He'll, he'll so, be doing a presentation for Monerotopia, by the way. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. You know, he's never, I mean, he's not, he's going to remain anonymous and he's going to do it remotely, but it's going to be the first time that he's you know, presenting. Very excited. Oh, about. that's so beautiful. Like this, yeah. like Monero's research is like literally one of the best. Cause I, I try learning more about Zcash and, and it was actually really difficult. Cause there is no breaking Zcash. 
there is no like ma- zero to Zcash. There's no mastering Zcash. There's like nothing on Zcash. So that's an issue in itself. Conclusion is gonna be um, avoid KYC as usual, right? You should ask questions and do the research yourself. Don't trust someone on Twitter, even if it's me, if it's anyone that just like said Monero's this, or Zcash is this. You should do. You should ask them questions. And like Doug hinted at, if someone's unwilling to answer your questions, you should be highly suspicious of them. If they're unwilling to go on an interview with you, you should be highly suspicious of them. If they have no evidence for their claims, you should be highly suspicious of them. <laughs> so that's just a good overview. And to this day, Monero offers the best default privacy in the market today. So you shouldn't be worried about that. And any claims that Zcash is untraceable and Monero's traceable are just, just false, unnuanced claims. And I'm sure that our guest today, um, Rose, could tell, Rachel, could tell us all about zero knowledge proof in their applications and things like that. But yeah, it's, it's just um, really sad to see this amount of misinformation from people who I consider to be, to know better. You know, it's, it's really, really sad to see, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. You, you touched my, uh, two other things I want to point out to you. Mm-hmm. So he talked about the, the leak slide, and then he also pointed to um, the DOJ, I think it was the Department of Justice report uh, for the, was the, what was the Bitfinex hack that the, the the large hack that happened where they then you know used Bitcoin's traceability to basically uh, find find the hackers uh, and you know as part of the trail it, le- it sh- you know it shows Bitcoin being exchanged into Monero on exchanges mm-hmm. and so he kind of referenced that as showing Monero's traceability yeah. where it literally showed the opposite it showed it leading to a dead end uh, so that yeah. I mean that's just like that that, yeah. that that's concerning to me to for somebody to then you know quote that report as Monero being traceable because you're not properly looking at the report understanding you know essentially what's being what was being said there yeah. uh, nothing about that said that you know we could we could uh, assume that you know they figured out how to trace Monero I, I yeah. At least, I, at least maybe I'm, I'm missing something there, but you know, anybody, I remember when it first came out and reviewing it and people in the Monero, there was nothing, nothing there that showed Monero's traceability. Uh, it yeah, showed- no, you're absolutely correct. I would, I would agree with you. And I would say any, like the issue that Doug pointed out in this case is like when someone swaps from Bitcoin to Monero, then swaps back into Bitcoin. And then they, and then you, people would say, oh, well, Monero's cracked. Like any, any coin. If, if you're hopping from a transparent blockchain to an opaque blockchain to a transparent blockchain, you're going to leak metadata and you're going to be traceable, right? Because what they'll do is they'll just look, oh, you deposit $13 into this and they'll wait for you to leave. Oh, you got $13 back on Bitcoin. So you can trace that transaction that way, right? I did, it, you can sort of think of it like um, a club, for example. If you, if you walk into a club and the club's private, I, I don't have to track what you do in a club. I can just wait for you to to go in and wait for you to leave, but I can, and I can track you that way. Right. So is, it, is that making sense? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally. <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, so yeah. that was just another point to make. Um, and yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I, it would be great if Andy, you know, changes his mind and, and comes on. I get it too. Like, you know, he doesn't want, he's not, he's not, I think he, he admits he's not an expert in these things, but all the more reason to be honest about it and talk about it. And talk about you know where he coming up with these claims, the information that he's pointing to, uh, and just have an honest conversation of how he, you know. And then he he says in his tweets, oh, but I, but I didn't, I didn't actually say it's traceable. But if you listen to the interview, Sunil, you want to play actually, you want to play that part right now at the at the fifty. 
fifteen minute mark. The fifteen minute mark. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Yeah. Good to warn the viewers out there. The whole thing, but this is kind of the most. <laughs> that the investigators continued to follow that money until it was exchanged back into another form of cryptocurrency and cashed out. And it does seem very possible. I imagine like chain analysis had to have been involved in that case. It's the biggest seizure of cryptocurrency, of, again, of money of any kind ever. And it broke the record. And it does seem extremely possible, I'll just say, that investigators did trace Monero in that case, too. I don't know how they did it, but that is their business, is like knowing how to trace right. cryptocurrency. Uh, I'll just say it. They traced Monero. So he concluded that they traced Monero. That, that's, that's the, the, you know, maybe, maybe he slipped up on his words there, whatever it is, but you know, that's why I wanted to come on and talk about it. Uh, and the thing is, so that, that's a very large audience to be telling that, you know, you've concluded that Monero is traceable and that you think chain analysis has a way of tracing it. And yeah, the second point I want to make too is, you know, if any chain analysis, in my understanding, offers services for tracing Zcash, right? Uh, you know, because there's, there's data that can be gained with Zcash, mm -hmm. right? Because not all Zcash transactions are essentially private by default. So they mm -hmm. do offer their services. That's publicly known, right? They've published yeah. that. And it was like 2020 that they offer services for, I think it was like when they announced it, it was like for Dash and Zcash that, you know, that it's a new service that they offer. Uh, for those that need to be compliant, you know, there's traceability services being offered for, for Zcash and Dash. Uh, and to my knowledge, those services are not offered for Monero. So, so what's the, what's the idea that they, like, they're secretly offer, offering these services and they've only announced Zcash? <laughs> like, like that part doesn't make any sense either. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, leave it at yeah. that. I want to belabor it. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Thank yeah. you for being. Greatly appreciate Thank it. You so Hopefully much. he comes on. Hopefully, I hope he comes on and gives us some insights, okay. but. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, All right. We'll see. Thank you. Thank you. All mm -hmm. right. Cheers, see you next man. week. Thank you. See you. All right. Let's move on to the guest segment. <laughs> the Monerotopia guest segment is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange of Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android 2. Cake Wallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. <laughs> that is, that is. <laughs> our other video. Hey, Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Thank you so much for patiently waiting around. Appreciate uh, your time. No worries. <laughs> Interesting discussions. What, 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 what's your I, first? First, give a little background for those of you who, who don't know. For those out there that don't know about you, if you, if you can just quickly give a little intro. So, um, a pro, I'm a programmer uh, for Darkfly. Uh, we're a layer one blockchain uh, for anonymous applications. Um, so sort of like ETH in that it's a general programmable smart contract platform, um, but different to ETH in that it's fully anonymous. So I'm working on that. I've been working on that for the past few years. Awesome. Before we get into that, what, what do you think of this, uh, you know, the, the, the Monero? I mean, the Monero FUD's been going around forever. What, what's kind of your, your overall take? Yeah, interesting questions, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, uh, I'm happy to talk about that. Uh, and I mentioned at the previous Monerotopia um, that there are these with signatures mentioned where uh, there's a risk that anonymous signatures not, and that while they provide like an obfuscation uh, tool, that they don't, that it's not sufficient to fully anonymize the output. However, like the the kind of on on Monero 
is that this is theoretical, kind of concrete uh, evidence or proof that... So I was saying that Monero, the ring signature, um, are probably the, or are definitely the weakest point of the design. Mm -hmm. But the, um, so far, you know, it's been considered largely a theoretical issue. Um, and, you know, the kind of conventional wisdom is that it's never been proven in practice. Uh, so it's ambiguous with this Greenberg uh, thing, whether, you know, he, like, Anything he says, his like his intuition regarding the traceability of Monero has any weight, or if again it's theoretical. But still, um, you know, irrespective of that, it's it's an important research topic, which is like to evolve the signatures and to improve the overall anonymity of Monero, which Monero has a very constant and active research community, so it's completely within the realm of possibility that Monero will be able to upgrade but away from ring signatures. And on GitHub um there's a issue issue 100 100 which is about the um using trustless zk snarks as a potential replacement for signatures technical thread a lot of but interesting and i encourage everyone to look at that going and uh amir who's, who's our researcher at, at, at darkfi has been contributing a lot to the discussion he just posted now a few minutes ago, his new research, which he's saying if he gets it ready on time, he wants to present it at Monerotopia, which okay. is a potential solution to the to the uh, the issue of rig signatures and and upgrading them with trusted Zika design. Love it, love it. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody who's serious about Monero is in denial of the fact that ring signatures do evolve and be upgraded, uh, and that the ideal way to do that would be you know swap them out with some DK. Uh, proof technology do you mind if we jump to the next segment and yeah. then we talk to you and okay. then and when we come yeah. back that's, that's, we'll... that's fine yeah okay okay thank you rachel but that's that's awesome to hear that amir dropped that and he may be presenting that at monerotopia we're definitely going to have a roundtable discussion at monerotopia with all the devs and that will be some of the discussion that that takes place Luke Parker, when we spoke to him, he had said that he wanted to talk about this topic as well. Uh, I don't know if he'll be, he was actually considering presenting on it, um, but I think he, you know, his presentation might be more on Sarai, but then when we have the round table, he'll be a part of that, so we'll get his input on that. So I think maybe that's where we'll, we'll have most of this conversation. It'll be a round table discussion about the, you know, the future of Monero tech, and so that will certainly be be a big part of the topic, uh, deprecating uh, ring signatures, upgrading them. Cool. Good stuff. So, Good yeah, let's stuff. move on, and then hopefully we can get Rachel in a different format. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Tony's running a few minutes late. Oh, no, we got Tony's <laughs> late. <laughs> so he said seven out. minutes. So it's either, uh, yeah, he was running uh, back to the okay. middle of something, but he, he'll be on in uh, seven minutes, according to him. So I don't know if you want to, like, kind of move along. Try to do start the news. Do you or, have do you have the? Um, I have the links. Yeah, links? links. All right, seven minutes um, by the time it gets here, we'll be done. But, I know, right. but and I feel bad, but I mean, we could go back to Rachel and see if she got her new her new mic, and then we we could just jump into the spaces, and then Tony can do the news in the spaces. Okay, uh, Rachel, how's uh, your sound coming along? Do 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 do. We always have random issues. Hey, this it happens. A, you know, we're trying to do all types of things. I'm gonna put on some tunes. Rachel calling in from who knows where. The Monerotopia Weekly News segment is sponsored by IVPN, 
Use a VPN to help prevent your online activity from becoming a permanent record. iVPN encrypts your data and DNS requests so your ISP or mobile network provider cannot monitor or log your online activity. Purchase an iVPN service today anonymously with Monero. <laughs> Pretty cool. With an intro like that. that I know. Uh, poor Tony's Tony in isn't there. here. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. Sorry, Tony. You missed your intro. So what do we got? So, what's the what's the first? Uh, Hong Kong's digital. Hold on a second. Yeah. I'll bring it up over here. Okay. Hong Kong citizens not interested in digital yuan, they report. So we've been hearing similar similar reports of this where, you know, CBDCs have been tested out uh, in Nigeria. And now we're seeing reports uh, where it's being tested out. Uh, I guess in Hong Kong, the Chinese government's central bank digital currency project has not sparked much enthusiasm among the citizens of Hong Kong. In the first four days since the digital yuan, uh, also known as ECNY, hard wallets became accessible to residents. Only 625 Hong Kongers had obtained them. Those are called Hong Kongers. As reported by a local newspaper on February 28th, Shenzhen installed the machines dispensing the hardware wallets for digital yuan, the first of a kind in the country. Due to the city's unique location as a gateway from Hong Kong to mainland China, the machines were programmed to serve the citizens of Hong Kong exclusively. The goal goal of the initiative launched by the Bank of China and smart card provider Octopus Card was to issue 50,000 hardware wallets by March 31st. However, in the first four days after the machine's installation, only 625 wallets were demanded by the customers. Okay, so they're not seeing a lot of uptick there. Not surprised. But here, I guess, is the more surprising part. Even the 20% discount on purchases from 1,400 local vendors subsidized for the CBDC owners by the government hasn't been a decisive factor for adoption. So they're throwing in, a, a, I guess you're getting a discount if you use CBDCs at uh, a 1,000 different vendors in Hong Kong, and they're still not seeing it done. So, I mean, it's not surprising, right? People people are slow, right? They're, they're slow to port over to new things unless there's, like, this really, you know, 10x improvement, right? Everybody knows it's about technology. So not surprised. Not surprised that we're, we're slow to see the adoption. But what, kind of what I've, my, my take has always been I wouldn't really bank on that as meaning that, you know, we're not going to see a – a world, uh, a mass adoption of CBDCs throughout the world. It's just, you know, governments are going to mandate it. They're going to slowly turn up the water. And they're going to, they're going to, they're going to slowly boil, boil frogs, right? So it's going to take time. Uh, so right now they're trying it. They're testing it out. They gave a 20% discount. Yeah. People aren't jumping on that. But maybe when the government, you know, uh, basically says, all right, if you want your, you know, to receive your, your, your tax return, it's going to be in the form of, so you want to get this, you know, uh, government handout for some, some, you know, program that's happening where they're giving, you know, whatever, each family, uh, $5,000 for whatever reason, uh, because of some economic crisis. Guess what? It might come in the form of a CBDC. And then you're going to, that's when you'll start to see, uh, people, you know, essentially forced to transition. I don't think it's going to happen out of, you know, people's uh, natural tendency or, or in, you know, uh, it's not going to happen in an organic way where someone's like, oh, I need I need to go start using C instead of, you know, whatever I'm currently using transactions. It's going to slowly happen through coercion and force, and we're just not seeing that yet. So uh, next story is proposed South Dakota proposed South Dakota amendment to the UCC would prohibit 
cryptocurrencies, but not CBD. So legislation has been introduced in the American state of South Dakota to amend the Uniform Commercial Code to limit the definition of money to exclude cryptocurrencies. So the Uniform Commercial Code, um, you know, this is something that's it's it's a legal document that essentially uh, is used by courts for contract law. Um, and they're adopting this code and they're starting off in, you know, certain states are adopting it, but usually the way it works is all states end up adopting very, you know, similar, you know, uh, similar unifying language. So if they're trying to do it here, it's going to happen everywhere, uh, is, is kind of the, the thinking. And so they're updating essentially the definition of, of what money is and conveniently, that definition essentially uh, doesn't include or will exclude something like Bitcoin as being able to be defined as money. The 117-page amendment introduced into the State House Representatives by Republican Mike Stevens defines money as a medium of exchange that is currently authorized or adopted by a domestic or foreign government. The term includes monetary unit of account established by an intergovernment organization or by agreement between two or more countries. Bill continues, the term does not include an electronic record that is a medium of exchange recorded and transferable in a system that existed and operated for the medium of exchange before the medium of exchange was authorized or adopted by the government. So that then excludes cryptocurrencies, that excludes Bitcoin, that excludes Monero, which already uh, exists and have yet to, are already being used as a medium of exchange, but haven't been mandated uh, by way of government those purposes. So the only things that can then be defined as, as money are essentially things that governments say are money. So if the government creates a CBDC here in the U.S., it would conveniently fall into that category, even though it functions similar to the way a cryptocurrency would, um, by mandate, it would be considered money, but these other things wouldn't. Now, what that actually means, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to say what the implications will be. Um, you know, it, uh, Monero, Bitcoin, they, you know, the, 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 the whole, the whole thing, right, is they, they exist outside of state control. So number one, do we really care how, what this, what, how the government or the state is defining cryptocurrency, whether defining it as money or something else. That, that's, that's kind of the first big thing to consider. Like, do we even care what they want to label it as? Uh, but there could be potential implications there. Some of them, some of them could potentially be positive. Um, if it's, if it's, if it's not labeled as money, then I suppose you don't need to be, uh, um, you, you don't need money, uh, transmission licenses. To, to do certain activities that you previously did for, for when you were transacting with, with crypto if it's not considered money, right? You're not going to be a money transmitter uh, if you're, you know, uh, offering some service where you're, you know, up to somebody sending you somebody's like, like a, let's say like a local Monero, for example, right? Uh, obviously, they, they do it in, in a way where they're not considered a money transmitter. But if they were doing it in a way where, you know, during a transaction, they, they received the crypto, the money, they held it, and they pass it on to somebody else, 
uh, currently in the eyes of the law, they would be considered a money transmitter. But if they're clearly, if, if crypto, Bitcoin, if Monero isn't defined as money, then I guess they would no longer, uh, have to abide by that. So that, that's just, uh, something to think about, right? So we don't, I, mean, I say that because we don't really know what the implications are of the UCC redefining, uh, the term money to exclude crypto. So I see we have Tony, Tony, but Tony's ready. Tony's up. Yep. Tony's up. <laughs> Tony, man. I, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, I was stuck at work. Let me put some uh, perfume on. All right, let's get ready. You missed your intro. I know, you missed your intro. It was uh, really it's really cool. Intro. Oh, you saw it? Okay. Yeah, it's really cool. I caught it. I was driving and then I was. I saw it. But yeah, totally. Uh, take it away. We covered the first okay. couple stories. We covered yeah. the ECC yeah, stuff. Yeah, the Mark Martin. Awesome. Uh, I would skip that one because that's kind of the same thing over again. I would okay. go to the Australia. Yeah, so the same thing. I just want to mention uh, something quick from the first two articles with Hong Kong and then, uh, yeah, more Hong Kong. Uh, so as, as we've seen, people are not interested in the CBDC, uh, just like in, uh, where was it? Nigeria. Nigeria, yeah. Just like in Nigeria, people are not interested in CBDC. They want to get 50,000 hard wallets by March 31st. They only got 625. They give them discounts. People are, are not interested in, in uh, Nigeria. 0.5% of the population were um, were using the CBDC. The rest were not interested. Uh, so what's going to happen? Were they going to force them to use them? They're going to eliminate cash eventually so that you're forced to use the CBDC. And then we've seen Doug talked about South Dakota, the amendment uh, of um, prohibiting cryptocurrencies, but of course not CBDC, changing a couple definitions. Right, so if it's not mandated by the government, then we're not gonna uh, use it. Um, let's move on to uh, that. Yes, now let's go to Australia. Uh, more CBDC from Australia. They want to launch a live pilot in the few coming months. They'll experiment from March 31st to May 31st with a final report uh, being published on June uh, 30th. So of course, Australia um, wants CBDC. All the countries want a CBDC. So it's coming soon. It's coming soon to everybody. Then let's talk about Nostra. Yeah, before, before moving on to that, the, what I found interesting in the Australia yeah. one is uh, with the test pilot. I think one of the use cases being piloted included offline payment, tax automation, and CBC, C, CBDC for trusted web So that one of the things they're testing uh, with their pilot in Australia for CBDCs is how they can use it to automate Taxes, um, you know. So that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things. Uh, you know, if, that, if that's not setting off uh, alarm bells, uh, it should be right. So that that's that's the vision here, right? That's why that's why they're moving in this direction. Control your money. Have everybody using a CBDC. Track and trace everybody's funds, and to be able to perfectly tax everybody. Not saying people shouldn't necessarily pay their taxes, but if we live in a world where governments can automatically. Um, automatically take their taxes without there being any process, I think that becomes concerning uh, because mm-hmm. they change the tax law as they wish, tax you as they wish, and you really have no no recourse. They're just automatically taxing all, all, all of their – so go ahead. I think that's, that, that's interesting that they're already, you know, testing that in their pilot, this auto, automation of taxes. Exactly. And then they also talk about privacy. Um, and then they just disregard it and they say something like, so understanding that privacy is a concern, eh, that's something there can be solutions put forward to as part of the pilot. So you're not going to get privacy, of course, in the CBDC. 
uh, they want to tax you, put negative interest rates so that you have to spend your money. Um, it's just full control of your money. Um, but let's talk about a Monero tip function integrated in Nostril client. Um, people are discussing it, of course. Someone said nice things about Nostril is anyone can freely build a client that have whatever features they want. So people are talking about a CSS a proposal. Uh, Justin came in the comments, you know, anyone who has the time to work on this, we can possibly even hire them for cake to do such a thing, send me an email. So, um, yeah, people are interested in Monero on Nostra, which is uh, awesome. Uh, then let's go to this post by Vanessa, which is very concerning. <laughs> Discover card to begin tracking gun purchases in April. Uh, then she said, do we need a nationwide campaign to educate all gun stores and the customers about Monero? Um, Sounds like great early adopters, great early use case for Monero, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's, you know, having privacy doesn't mean that um, it's all about uh, criminals and people purchasing illegal guns and it's about your freedom. And this is insane. And they want to track everything that you do. Um, then let's talk about Zucco and um, where's the video? And then a video from a podcast that we'll play in a second. Yeah, uh, we can. We, can we pass, actually, we, we can. Yeah, pass we that. we we, uh, we we talked about this to great length. Yeah, we can okay. pass the whole story. Okay, so basically said Zcash is actually what people thought Bitcoin and Monero were. So that's that's funny. Um, then uh, Xenu posted about the federal government announcing that 2016 Bit uh, Finance hackers that were caught 3.6 billion dollars worth of Bitcoin were seized, which is a lot of money. They use pure OPSEC, but then there's the report. And the report is very interesting because, and the people on Twitter can see, but it's a chart, it's a tree chart, and then it shows Bitcoin wallet to Bitcoin wallet. But when it comes to, um, to Monero, it just stops. There's no more. Yeah, I mean, and the concerning part is this is, you know, the, the report that um, Greenberg referenced as alluding to the fact or showing the heart of good Good proof, strong proof that Monero is traceable, that they have the Abyss Monero uh, when it does not, if anything. <laughs> it doesn't show that. Yeah. Yeah. And I talked to one guy from uh, Elliptic, so not chain analysis, but I guess the competitor in Miami, and then he said personally that they can't track Monero. So if Elliptic can't, I mean, they just can't. <laughs> they can't track Monero. Um, but then this was really awesome. So the last thing that I want to mention um, this guy added a virtual MasterCard, bought via CakePay, and then he added that to, or she added that to uh, the Apple Pay, which is really awesome. So, uh, yeah, you can get, um, with CakePay, you can get prepaid Visa, MasterCard, Amazon, DoorDash, Uber, Airbnb, Whole Foods, Delta, whatever, Nike, you know, everything. And then you can just add that to your, or you, and you can get a virtual MasterCard, and then you can add that to your Apple Pay. So it's very convenient to use. Yeah, I mean, the, the implications of that are tremendous. I haven't tried it out yet. But, yeah, essentially you can go to, to CakePay. You can't do it through the app yet. But online, you know, through CakePay online, you can purchase a virtual master card, right? Yes. Uh, with Monero. You have to fill out – you have to supply some information. You have to supply an email. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it does uh, ask for an address and a phone number. Um, so, you know, whether or not you use your correct one or whatever, but you, you do, you know, if you want to, connect it, if you want to connect it to your, 
to your you know to your phone to your Apple Pay, you're gonna have to put in put in the number because I believe that's how that's how the syncing works there. Uh, but effectively, then you can can net, once you purchase that Mastercard with Monero, mm-hmm. you can uh, input it into your Apple Pay and so seamlessly use that wherever you know wherever Mastercard is accepted using Apple Pay. So you're basically using a credit card like a Mastercard. Um, that you pre-purchased with Monero, <laughs> so that covers you know a lot of uh, you know many 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 vendors, right? So you're you're now living off of you're living off of Monero effectively, uh, yeah. pretty conveniently through Apple Pay. Obviously, end goal guys, right, is that people are accepting Monero natively, but mm-hmm. this is a beautiful bridge for people that want to uh, start living off of Monero. You can obtain these cards if you're smart about it. You can obtain it in a way where you're not giving up much of your your true information, mm-hmm. and you've now turned Monero into uh, a, a Mastercard that can be used anywhere that Mastercard's accepted. And you don't even have to get physically get the card in the mail. You have it on your your Apple Pay, which is which is very slick. It's instant, and you can get it for auto mounts. You can get it for thirty five dollars and thirty six cents. Yes, too. You could actually get it for quite a. I think a thousand dollars max at a time, but up to you could buy up to I think ten cards in a in a day or something. It's a, it's a tremendous amount, but you buy yeah. it. So I mean, that's 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 pretty good. I mean, you could you could go pretty far uh, off that, right? If you have these uh, virtual Mastercards on your Apple Pay, pretty much living off Monero at that point. Very yeah, cool. Very cool. That's it. It's very cool that that Cake is really focused on on this, you know, on these goals, right, of making Monero as usable as possible for purpose, essentially living off of it, growing adoption. So, mm-hmm. kudos to you, Cake, for keep pushing the boundaries there. It's awesome, and it makes it easier to even give people Monero with the app because now you don't say, oh, well, if they accept Monero or get them into accepting, no, like I'll give you some Monero, exactly, and then you can go buy a gift card. And I tell people. I just give you five dollars to buy uh, a soda from Chipotle or half a burrito or whatever, you know. Yeah, that's that's always the biggest question, right? When you try to onboard, that's a great point, Tony. Yeah, when trying to onboard a new vendor or somebody, and you say, "Hey, you mind accepting Monero for the purchase?" They're like, "Well, what do I what do I do with it?" Like, but now like you do whatever you would do with money, right? Whatever you do with cash, you can go use it. You go use it anywhere, essentially. You could turn it into a, a MasterCard and, and go cash out with it. I did that very thing. I, I convinced somebody uh, in Brooklyn. It was a vendor. He was selling some uh, selling joints, right? It's, it's legal in New York, guys. It's legal in New York. He was selling some joints. Uh, I convinced him to accept. This was a couple of months ago. Convinced him to accept Monero. His hesitation was, well, what do I do with it? And that the you know cake pay existed. I was like, you buy you know all, one of these hundred thousand different gift cards. Uh, I came back like a month later, and like he recognized it right away. He's like, yo, he's like, I did it. He's like, I did it. I transferred. I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, you just held it. But like, I, I'm like, it's awesome. <laughs> he's like, I spent it. I went on. I, I forget what he did. I think he, uh, I forget what he ended up buying with it. But he's like, yeah, it was super simple. And you know, he was hooked at that point. He got it. He understood it. I was like, all right, let me let me make another purchase. So I'm like, this time, you know, maybe maybe save some of it. Don't spend it all. I'm like, dude, obviously, if you need it to live off of, do what you gotta do. I'm like, what a hold. Like that was the that's what closed the deal for him, knowing that he could then turn around and you know essentially pay his bills with it. Right. Yeah. And one more thing, if the coconut guy that sold us coconut water at Liberty Con in October is watching, you can now spend your Monero. <laughs> <laughs>
too many people to keep track of. All right. But that was Tony. a nice Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. To be on the show. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, guys. One more thing. If you want to check out the links, they're in the description. So if you want to go over the links and read them for yourself. Awesome. Oh, Vic is saying it works in Apple Pay and Google Pay as well. Yeah, I added it to the. Yes. Awesome. There you go. Well, thank you very much. All right, Tony. We'll see you. All righty. Cheers, man. Thank you. Bye. Um, I guess we'll move on to the viewers on stage slash spaces segment, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hopefully Rose gets Yeah, Rose is there. there. Rose is there. Okay, she was sweet. Able, she wasn't able to. All right, um, yes. She is in the spaces. I guess let's do our cheesy segment. It's the viewers on stage segment. It's that time where we invite you, the viewers, up on stage to comment on anything you've heard so far today, ask the guest a question, or maybe talk about one of the news topics. Come on down. Okay, I'm here. Let's get uh, Rachel up here. Right to speak. Rachel should be able to here. We did it. accept that and jump up. Yes, much better. Oh my god. So much better. Hopefully. It was horrible. It was really horrible. All right, we got Rachel up here. We did it. Gotta make it out. Yes, much better. Oh my god. Oh yeah. It so works now. Better. Yes, this is great. This is great. It was, it was horrible. It was really bad. It was like, oh wow. Fun. We were trying to make it out, um, but yeah. Was it worse than the last time? <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. It might have been comparable, <laughs> but now, but now we're all good. So continuing where we were. So we we, we talked about you know the uh, fairly assessed Monero's flaws, which I think the Monero community is is, is good at doing, uh, and talking about you know this idea that we consider upgrading uh, Monero's ring signatures. Um, let's jump to let's jump to DarkFi. So you know you you gave the the quick pitch on what it is, uh, kind of comparing it to Ethereum, but let's say a a privacy uh, a privacy focused version of Ethereum where privacy is embedded in the in in the protocol in the protocol uh, level. Um, any anything else to say about it so that you know where we can kind of further understand you know what it is how it works and how it may compare to some other privacy tech projects totally so uh i see the relationship between uh darkfi and monero as being similar to that of bitcoin and eth so it's a bit like you know monero is like the money and DarkFi is like the, the smart contract platform, basically. Um, but like, so we're, we're similar to ETH, um, in, in that way. But then there are also some like important differences because we're, uh, optimizing for anonymous applications. Um, we're very much built on a different kind of, uh, engineering paradigm where like, we encode basically different possibilities when it comes to what apps are can be deployed on there. Um, but but right now, uh, where the latest is that we're, we've deployed a testnet, um, and the testnet is using a privacy uh, focused proof of stake. Which uh, I know a lot of Monero community are big fans of proof of work, um, but we're actually uh, it's interesting because. I feel like the proof of stake that we have is um, like proof of stake is almost a misnomer because when people hear proof, proof of stake, they automatically think of like slashing and a lot of this uh, kind of um, game theory mechanics of a blockchain like ETH. Whereas our 
proof of stake is kind of like a proof of work proof of stake where it's still like a lottery that's being done but it but stake basically increases the probability of you winning that lottery so you supplement the the hash power and the the hardware for this stake um but in in many ways it's it's more simple than the approach taken by eth and um Finally, then it's a, it's an anonymous leader selection protocol. So that means that when you have a leader who creates a block, that that is anonymous on chain. So you cannot see what node that is, and it means you can't like DDoS them. And also potentially you can participate in blockchain security in a deniable way. Um, so that's really nice. And and as well, you know, we we see the value of a proof of work. So so we're trying to leverage uh some of the values of proof of work but i i can't talk too much about that now because it's still in planning but uh i'm i'm hoping i'll be able to share more with the monero community uh about that soon and uh yeah finally on the testings we have this proof of stake and we also have a number of apps which are deployed using the the dark smart contract architecture and um, so right now the the apps running on testnet are like a atomic swap between any coin on the network, um, then a uh, transactions which are anonymous, and finally uh, an anonymous DAO, and we're actually the first anonymous DAO to ever been made. Is, is, are you referring to Lunar DAO? No, uh, so that's good you bring it up because I will I would like to clear up some confusion because Lunar DAO is not related to DarkFi. That's a project on ETH, so it's a normal uh, ETH DAO. Uh, using ETHDAO techniques, um, and it's on a transparent blockchain. It's not anonymous. Uh, they have expressed interest in DarkFi's anonymous DAO tooling. So I think their idea they want is to migrate eventually to DarkFi once DarkFi is live. Um, but what DarkFi offers is a just like a generic toolkit where anyone can deploy anonymous DAOs. So you could make a Lunar DAO on there, but you could also make any other kind of DAO, like an Assange DAO or like a DarkFi development DAO or, you know, a Monero ecosystem DAO or any kind of DAO. Got it, got it, got it. Who, uh, do we have any idea of who from, I mean, I guess obviously without naming names, exposing people, but like, uh, in what capacity DarkFi will be participating in Monerotopia? Do you guys know like, uh, who's going to be presenting or what the presentation is going to be? Well, the, I think, uh, the, the cool thing is, is reading from that thread, which is, uh, the, about using trustless CK snarks in Monero. Uh, the last message, uh, Amir, who's the darker researcher, Amir Taki, said that he might present that research at Monerotopia. Um, so that sounds promising. Uh, from my side as well, uh, I'd, I'd love to be able to join us just with the, the moving parts it's been hard to lock it in but i'm hoping to lock it in like uh you know as soon as possible because then you know it's more affordable to flights etc oh yeah um, we'd love to have you down there in person that'd be so amazing if you could swing it yeah like uh, definitely i mean i was thinking about it and monerotopia last year was my favorite conference and i think uh it is probably one of my favorite conferences ever um alongside controversially I went to a very early uh, Zcash conference. I think it was ZCon Zero, and that was good. That was comparable to Monerotopia because they were both small community conferences with like very high quality. Uh, I I know that 
probably that's going to trigger you to have a comparison to a Zcash thing. No, no. I'm, 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 I'm glowing over here. I'm smiling. But to hear that from you, that we, uh, you know, that's, that it was one of your favorite comments, it means a lot that we're, you know, that that's what we're, we're striving to keep it that way. Uh, that's amazing to hear. I think one of the really cool things, too, is that we're really open to other projects participating. So we're not trying to make it maxi in any way, right? So. Obviously, you know, I, I'm, I'm most interested in Monero and the digital cash concepts, but I want it to be open to any other project that's kind of, you know, into these same concepts, these cypherpunk ideals of trying to build out, you know, a parallel economy outside of state control in whatever form they're doing it so that, you know, ideas can merge, people can meet, people can talk. Um, I think a lot comes from that. So we're trying to be as open as accessible in that regard. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I think that's that's possibly why I in, I thought that was good was the very value aligned community. Um, so it's like super productive to have a conference with you know of like essentially agorists who share a common mission. Um, yeah, it's a nice environment. Let me see if there's any, anybody want to jump up and ask any questions to Rachel Rose. Now's the time. You can ask a few quick questions. I see, Lip is requesting. Anybody else want to jump up? Now's the time. Just request to throw a question out there to Rachel with regards to Doc, DarkFi. Jaded. Let's get him up here. Anon shot. Body. Lip, what's going on, man? What do you got? You have something, uh, DarkFi related? DarkFi related question? Uh, no, not actually. But any other topic you were talking about, though. But right, it sounds interesting, though. Go ahead. Throw it up there. What, what do you got? What's the, what was your other comments? I mean, I don't want to hog the mic. I could wait, like, later. Okay. Oh. Okay. Um, Jaded, I don't think we ever heard from you. What's going on, man? You have something uh, to ask Rachel? Hey, Rose? guys. Rachel, Kingsaxo City. Unfortunately, I'm headed back to the States two days before your meetup next Friday. So oh, shit. That. I know, but I'll try to make it back down for Monerotopia. That sounds amazing. Uh, yeah. Hey, Rachel, Prague, Carolina, Polis, uh, Hackers Congress. Um, continued to follow. DarkFi, inspired by the possibility there, especially as more and more news comes out from this government around the world, uh, how necessary something like this is. So I'm so glad it's in testnet now. I'm so glad we're going to have something live, hopefully by the end of the year here. And, uh, you know, these tools, uh, I think, are going to just become so critical very, very soon. So really glad this is a, a possibility. I have a question. Uh, one of the conversations from Prague and then um, I talked a little bit again uh, to Seth, Seth for privacy at a Monero meetup in Austin a month or two ago. Um, there was a conversation about the launch of the initial distribution of the DarkFi token. I know there's some obvious concern about proof of stake and centralize that, but um, one of the ideas that was floated was uh, possibly merge mining the initial distribution with something like Monero, which is particularly topical given this is a Monero uh, space here. I wonder if you could speak to that uh, or if that's one of the things that's still in planning that you can't speak to and I shouldn't have even said that. Hey, um, well, <laughs> I, I think it's fine that you brought it up as a little teaser um, for the community, but, you know, I, I have kind of alluded to that where I, when I said um, that we want to kind of wield the, the power of proof of work where we can, uh, where we can. Um, however, I'm reluctant to like fully like double down and commit to that yet because we're still in like the the kind of simulation uh, period. So basically, we're we're simulating a bunch of different scenarios, uh, 
and we're going to try and decide based on like what is the most favorable um for in terms of like having a wide decentralized distribution um so that basically involves like yeah you have like you 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 create scripts which you know try to project what uh what different outcomes could have um based on different parameters um so like you know Monero merge mining or like different potential solutions um but yeah i didn't i intentionally didn't say anything yet because i don't want to um uh, make promises and then you know i i just want to be sure before i before i commit to that but but like yeah that's something we're definitely considering and uh you know it's it's a part of um having a wide decentralized supply but also involving the monero community which we see as like essential allies basically is there a um a public forum for those tokenomics planning discussions and yeah just to be clear to the community i'm not i was just throwing out a cup conversation brainstorming session it was not anything remotely fully formed but it certainly caught my attention as a fan of verify amonero um rose is there i know there's the dark irc but are those conversations about the tokenomics and the launch uh just purely internal at this point amongst the, the team or is there somewhere where uh, the community can can kind of share input in, in those discussions right now yeah so so right now it's it's uh it's it's basically done in like the most anonymous way uh possible because of the fact that uh tokens are the most heavily regulated thing in the in the crypto industry or mon- one of the most heavily regulated things so we want to be very um careful about how we uh, start to publicize those conversations but uh we we do intend to like as, as soon as uh is like considered uh strategic to do so to like start involving the community at the level of like transparency um but we don't want to rush anything because of the fact that like you know it, it's basically we want to protect our devs awesome thanks so much I look forward to what comes next body what's going on man you got some some questions for rose oh yeah i could probably spend the next hour just uh, picking her brain um but maybe maybe uh one of the top questions i have is kind of regarding the difference between how far are y'all along in terms of um like your fundamental breakthroughs on the cryptography, the technology, you know, is it mostly just kind of like roadmap development at this point where you just have to implement the things that have been discovered or is there still some significant component of um, like a fundamental cryptographic breakthrough uh, breakthrough that needs to happen? Yeah, really great question. Um, so we're at the stage now where like 90% of the work is done um, in that like we're not in the current test net what we eventually launch on mainnet we, we don't plan to like add any more cryptography or like there's no other research which is needing to be done so right now we're just doing the, the dev work of like stabilizing sim- simplifying and uh getting ready for release um so what that looks like in terms of timeline is like we have the testnet and then we basically need to go through an auditing process um and uh you know those token questions we talked about they need to be finalized and then we will launch uh but we're not planning to add any more cryptography or, or research before then but after the launch um there's quite a lot of different fields that we want to um kind of explore so you know uh we have these we have these three apps um payments swaps and um and the dao uh we plan to extend that with like nfts 
and uh, any, anyone can launch a token, so like a token launching API, which that should be ready for the actual mainnet release. But then after that, we want to look at, okay, what are the more kind of exotic um, applications that we can build? And some of those uh, kind of exotic applications, including like, you know, anything which involves um, like essentially a shared state. So like if you have anonymous liquidation markets or something. So say you wanted to build like a, a MakerDAO type algorithmic stable coin on DarkFi. Like you need a way to like um, to query balances uh, in, in an anonymous way um, so that you can liquidate people. So it's like in order to actually do this, we would need to use different primitives such as MPC. Um, which, you know, we're planning to build that into our tool chain, but not until after we release this current version, basically. Uh, that sounds so cool. What's um, what's the potential for something like uh, roll-ups or layer two on DarkFi? Um, yeah, so so you could uh, do DarkFi as a layer two, um, but we chose to go the layer one kind of route because, um, like, essentially – so the big discussion is at the moment because of the smart contract architecture, it's easiest to deploy as a layer two on somewhere like ETH, um, in like a, as like a rollup. But the issue is, is that there's a lot of censorship risk as we've seen with like Tornado Cash. So there's like a, there's like a contract which, you know, is contr- like is your entry point to the rollup and you can sanction that. Um, so basically what we found, we, we had already kind of been, been thinking that uh, a layer one is like the most sovereign and uh, secure way uh, to ensure that your your network is like anti-fragile and, and and isn't kind of in like isn't vulnerable in the same way like an app on, on another chain would be and and actually part of that informing that was like how Monero has managed to remain uh, like so attack resistant uh, relative to these um, apps on ETH. So um, that's that's why we did a layer one. But then you get into the question of bridging because you still want to be able to use the layer one from other blockchains. Um, and so we, we we will do like a very basic bridge to release um, onto Ethereum. But we also want to do like, uh, for example, anonymous bridges. Uh, one of the things that I would love to explore is a Monero atomic swap. It's hard to do like sophisticated bridging because Monero doesn't have smart contracts, but you could do a swap um, hypothetically. Uh, I haven't, I don't know how though, but I'm, I'm sure it's possible. And on ETH, similarly, it might be possible to do an anonymous bridge if you were to go through like one of these privacy tools like Tornado Cash or uh, Aztec. I might have um, I might have slightly phrased that not as well as I could have. Um, I'm assuming that because you can do bridges to Ethereum, for example, so you could could you do layer two constructions on the dark file layer one? Is that uh, is that something that should be possible? Ah, I misunderstood. Yeah, actually, you could, um, and that's another research topic that we're not focused on now, but we will focus on, which is like. Um, what is the long-term scaling strategy for DarkFi? And one vision is like you could have something like the ETH model where you have like uh, one main chain, which is like there's many little roll-ups that are uh, using that main chain for security and they all use the same token kind of thing. Um, so, you know, there's different various, there's different variants of this um, kind of hub and spoke model. There's 
the Cosmos Network and, and Poly uh, Dot, uh, sorry, Polkadot, they they all have um, kind of different slight different takes on on how to structure that. But what's nice about uh, internally to DarkFi is that it's very easy for us to bridge assets between different chains um, because we don't rely. It's not as trusted. We can use proofs internal to DarkFi. Uh, that should make it quite easy to send money around without like relying on statements from oracles and so on. I had maybe um, another thought, and this is just kind of out, out from left field. Um, so one thing that I thought would be really cool for a chain to do is to make the issuance schedule a function of both block height, but also difficulty, or I guess in the case of proof of stake, the number of stakers, so that as you get more difficulty, as more people, more miners come onto the network, you end up increasing the issuance so that people that start mining a little bit later can actually have some reasonable hope of getting a not insignificant amount of the currency. Um, I feel like that's a little bit more fair in the coin distribution. And you would still obviously pay off the people that are mining earlier with overall higher block rewards. Um, but is that it, it wouldn't be very good for number go up, <laughs> that's for sure. But um, it would be like an interesting model for a more even distribution. Um, sorry to... <laughs> just like throw this idea at you. What, no, no, I, I, I think it's, I, I think it's, I think it's totally interesting. And, and I do think that you need to, um, incentivize the security. Um, and so, you know, there's a belief in, in many blockchains now that you can kind of phase out block rewards and the network will be self-sustaining because the coin will be valuable enough, but that's not proven. And we don't know if that's true. Um, so actually on DarkFi, we're, we're currently researching an E1559 uh, fee burning model. Um, so it's not E1559, but it's based on that where it's like, okay, you can keep issuing rewards um, with the blocks, but then you also burn with transaction fees. Um, so what's nice about that model is that you basically create a um, feedback loop between the price of your coin or like the inflation rate of, the, of your coin and the the usage of, of the blockchain. Uh, so on DarkFi, like we're very early stage right now, we won't have like a, a high threshold of, of of users or of like transaction throughput. Um, but, you know, over time, uh, we're incentivized. If we adopt this fee burning model, we're incentivized to make it so like to, to push that to the absolute limits of of what DarkFi can uh, support in terms of transaction throughput. Earlier, you were talking about um, how you guys aren't really in favor of slashing as uh, as the security mechanism for proof of stake. Uh, could you talk a little bit about how your proof of stake is different and, and what you guys are doing there to, um, you know, what the game theory is on that? Totally. So I'm not a consensus dev. Um, I just have like a high level understanding of the Ouroboros, but it, it's called Ouroboros Crypsonus. Um, and it's an anonymized version of Ouroboros, which both were invented by a um, professor uh, called uh, Agalos. Uh, I'm not sure of his surname, but he works with the IOHK Institute. And it's never been implemented. I think Cardano was, was implementing one, but like a version of Ouroboros Crypsonus, but they actually stopped. So right now we're the only implementation. Um, but basically you have this stake as, which is like in your, you know, that you that you have you have your stake there, and then at the same time you run uh, this lot this algorithm, and 
that is basically a lottery. Um, and depending on what your stake is, that increases the probability that you will win the, the lottery. Um, and that's basically once you win the lottery, you get to mint like locally to your computer, you get to mint a proof, which allows you to, to, to claim a reward as the next block leader, essentially. Um, so, so that's how it works. There's no like, uh, posting, I guess on ETH, again, I'm not a consensus dev, but I guess it involves like, uh, committing to some stake and then that stake or like you must send your stake somewhere. And then that stake is, can be taken if you go offline or something. But, uh, in, in, uh, in our implementation, there's no like sending of stake, uh, to somewhere or like potential that your stake could be slashed or anything. Awesome. Thanks so much for entertaining my questions. Hopefully you'll know, see if anyone else no has any questions. Yeah. Great question. I, I just wanted to add that, uh, you know, as I said, I'm not a consensus dev. So that last thing I just said, I don't know how accurate it is because there is a process for sure of like locking and unlocking stake. Um, but it just doesn't involve sending it to like another, uh, address, which is what I assume happens on ETH. But I'm, again, I'm not a consensus dev, but all, all like the main thing I know is that like you run this lottery stake changes probability of you winning and it allows you to anonymously create a block and claim a block reward. Great questions, buddy. Richard, what does what the dev ecosystem look like for uh, DarkFi? Is it similar to Monero? It's kind of like, you know, I know most of them are anonymous. Um, are they are they getting paid in any way? Is there is there is there um, a funding for, for the devs or is that just something that may happen in the future with like a dev tax? How what does the dev ecosystem look like? Yeah, so like we we have a core team of like uh like mostly anonymous contributors who've um like essentially are the home of Darkfire development is a anonymous IRC that uh we created. I forgot to mention in the when I gave the overview, but um as well as building the uh kind of smart contract infrastructure and layer one blockchain. We've also been uh, putting a lot of emphasis on anonymous coordination tooling. So we have a peer-to-peer chat, um, and we have a peer-to-peer, um, or it's an anonymous task manager where we can assign each other tasks, um, which we're, it's not peer-to-peer right now, but it will be, um, as a next step. And, uh, cause we have this peer-to-peer network, which is very extendable. So we can quite easily plug apps into that. And another next step, which we haven't done yet, is also migrating to um, a, um, a peer-to-peer Git instance, so we can anonymize our our DarkFi contributions uh, instead of using this like Microsoft-owned uh, like centralized uh, website of GitHub to coordinate DarkFi development. Um, so, like, yeah, as I said, but right now it's like uh, totally transparent. You can find everything on GitHub. You can also join our dev chats, which are every Monday at 4 p.m. Uh, Central European time. And as we move to DarkFi, uh, like as we launch the actual platform, which um, I think I mentioned, or I'm not sure I mentioned, but the, the current timeline for that is end of this year, um, depending on how long the audit takes. Um, so so as we move to, to DarkFi, we plan to migrate all of the development work into a anonymous DAO. 
And from that point, um, the, the development of DarkFi will look fairly similar to uh, Monero's uh, development, um, where you will have like um, these kind of people like posting using like, um, we haven't figured out like if this will be like how this will, will be done, but like presumably this like somewhere like on the IRC, for example, where people will post like what their uh, what their grants will be or what, what money they need for what work. And then via the DAO, uh, money will be sent to them, uh, to do work on that, uh, to do work on that task. Um, that's how we plan to structure it. And that will be the best way as it's like a, like highly secure, fully anonymous, um, way of like, like continuing the DarkFi project while like protecting developers. Um, however, right now we're in more of like a, a launch phase. Um, which has like a slightly different, um, uh, a slightly different model. Um, and so, you know, different devs are using different solutions to try and contribute on DarkFi. Um, you know, there has been some support from, uh, the community in various ways, uh, in, in trying to get the project off the ground. Um, so that's been helping fund DarkFi development as well. Awesome, awesome. And so the, 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 the DAO, how is the DAO funded? Just trying to understand that. Where's the, where does the funding come from for the DAO? Yeah, so definitely, uh, depends on the DAO. Um, like, you know, when you, you create a DAO treasury, it's just like creating a wallet and then people can send money to that wallet. Um, so it depends on the DAO, but specifically the DarkFi, um, like there will be the, and, and again, we haven't like, uh, discuss this publicly at all or even finalize this. Um, but the general idea is that um, there will be an allocation of that dark token that goes to a DAO um, for that is like goes to dark for development. And some members of the community will have governance rights over this DAO. Um, so they'll be able to vote on how the money is spent from the treasury, basically. So like, as I said, similar to how Monero dev work is, 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 um, is paid for. Um, they will, they will like make a, uh, a grant proposal type of thing and say like, Hey, ship me some funding for this. And then the dev participants will, will vote to say yes or no to the, to ship, ship me some funds. And also using DarkFi DAOs, that is completely anonymous. So the treasury is, uh, is, is invisible on the blockchain. Uh, all the people involved, like who are operating the DAO, and the DAO recipients are also completely um, undetectable. Fantastic. Rachel, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate you taking the time to jump on today and, uh, you know, give, give us a little bit of an update on DarkFi. Very excited to have you guys participate in Monerotopia, whatever capacity you can. Would be amazing if you could make it down there in person. It would be fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on, and sorry for the technical issues. I feel like my Monerotopia experiences have been a bit cursed. <laughs> Thankfully, we got this. Uh, we got yeah. this Twitter space is working. Good. It just makes it more mysterious, more mysterious. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for participating. We're gonna we're gonna end it here. Uh, just a quick the quick shill for the conference, Monerotopia.com. Check it out. Uh, lots of amazing speakers. The conference has kind of taken on a life of its own. we got a lot of different projects that will be down there participating. Grab a ticket, grab your flight, come down. It's super cheap once you get down there. 
um, the listed hotels that you can find in the area ranging from, you know, uh, $40 a night or even cheaper if you want to stay at a hostel, uh, cheap Airbnbs for like $50 a night and then like super, super nice places for like 200 bucks a night, you know, live luxuriously in, uh, in, uh, Mexico City for a couple of days. Uh, but highly recommend you guys try to come down. It's, it's going to be a scene. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, we will see you next week, same time, every Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Adios. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rose. So long. Thank you for joining us on this week's Mineratopia episode. We stream live shows every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube and Odyssey. Or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Mineratopia Telegram group. See you all next week.